Lord, we just thank you that you're with us, you're with us, you're with us. And you're not only with us, you're for us. If God be for us, who or what can be against us? We just thank you for this time together. We come together each week and just bask in your love and your grace. We thank you for the Spirit who teaches us and reveals these heavenly things to us that are beyond the natural mind. For the natural mind does not discern these things, but they must be revealed by the Spirit that we might know the things that are freely given to us in Christ. Only the Holy Spirit can show us beyond the veil what is there. We just thank you, Lord, for giving us eyes to see and ears to hear. Just thank you for my brothers and my sisters. Thank you for the love of God. Thank you for the feeling of love, the encouragement, the kindness, all fruits of your life in us, your spirit in us. Just thank you, Lord. I pray now, Lord, you would guide my thoughts and help me speak what you would have me speak today to encourage us and Just thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. I sent a text to a a dear brother in uh, North Carolina, Mark Shiver, and uh, Mark and Tammy and his family up in North Carolina. They're just so cool. He prays for this class every Sunday. He texts me and says, I'm praying for the class. And really neat. And... um, he gets, you know, Clark's messages and our messages off the website and listens to them all week, puts them on his iPod, and uh, just a neat brother that is just exploding in the revelation of the finished work of Christ. And anyway, the other day, I just I sent a text to him and just want to share with you, just kind of started flowing, and I think some of the things in this text I want to share this morning, a few thoughts on, but... You know, sometimes you start texting or writing and it just begins to flow and just want to share it with you. Because one of the things I want to just talk a little bit about this morning is about what the word repent really means. And uh, I, don't, I don't think we've actually talked much about that in here yet, but um, I, just want to, I don't want to go into an in-depth thing today, but maybe just introduce, because I think we've really missed something really awesome about what that word really means and um, it's got such a religious connotation to it that we need to almost unpack it and look at it again and see what it really means. It's awesome. Okay, here we go. This is the text. And Jesus began to proclaim the arrival of the kingdom of God, saying, change the way you are thinking and change how you think about things. Because another world is here now, within reach of all who will believe. My Father's realm has come. Heaven is here now, on earth, for all who will believe. Those who believe will see the kingdom of heaven. Unless you were born from above, you cannot see the kingdom of God. But if you believe in me, you will be born again of the Spirit. This other realm is in the Spirit and shall be within you. In this realm called the kingdom of the beloved Son, sin is no longer counted 
are remembered. Only God's righteousness is counted and remembered. In this new world is the continual joy and peace of God himself. For the kingdom of God is in the spirit within you, and there you will find righteousness, peace, and joy. His righteousness, his peace, his joy. And now in union with Jesus, all that he is and has is yours. In him, in this other world, you have his righteousness, his peace, and his joy. He who has received this abundant grace and the gift of his righteousness shall reign in his life on this earth. As Jesus said, I leave with you my peace and my joy, not as the world gives, but the peace and joy that I have in me apart from this world. In this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. For I have overcome this world, and I have translated you from this world into my world, into my kingdom. My righteousness is your righteousness. This is the incredible glad tidings and good news of the kingdom of heaven to all who believe on me. Isn't that awesome? Yes, in the world we shall have trouble, but he has brought another world. And that's the good news of the kingdom of heaven. That word, uh, repent, the scripture says Jesus began his ministry. He began saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's within reach. It's here. You can touch it. It's, it's here. It's here now. It is among you, he said. It shall be in you. After his work was accomplished through death and resurrection and the giving of the Spirit, it would be inside those believers. But now it was just among them, in him. Change your mind. That's what the word means, repent. It simply means to change your mind. And more specifically, it means to rethink the way you think. It means to Reconsider how you're thinking about things. The word itself has nothing to do with sin in itself. In other words, I told Clark the other day, I said, I said we ought to try to de-religionize this word repent and start using it more frequently in our normal conversation. In other words, if, you, if you're after church, you want to go to have uh, lunch at Boston Market and you decide to go uh, to the Olive, the Olive Garden instead, just say, you know, we were going to go to the Boston Market, but we repented and we're going to go to the Olive Garden. <laughs> it, we, need to re, we need to de-religionize that word. Amen. It just means to rethink something. You know, you know I, I thought I was going to buy the house on that street, but I repented and I'm going to buy that house. Or I was going to buy that car, you know, uh, the Toyota, but I, I repented. I'm going to buy this van over here. And, but that's what it, it's that we have put so much baggage on that word repent. It has it, it does it doesn't mean it doesn't have to mean anything about sin at all. In fact, when Jesus said repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, the word has has to have some relationship to what he said after that. 
we immediately, as religious thinkers, rush to the conclusion that he must be saying repent of sin because God's coming. You better straighten up your act. God's coming. The kingdom of God is coming, so you better get straight. You know, get, stop sinning. No. It has to have relationship with the phrase after that. So what is he saying? He's saying rethink something. Think differently. Think differently. Change the way you're thinking. Change how you're thinking about this because, okay, it's got to relate to what he says next. What he says next is because the realm of God is suddenly here within reach. So what he's saying is that what they, what they did think before was that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven was something far, far away, something we would see after we died, uh, something maybe the prophet said would come, you know, one day God would establish his kingdom on earth. And so what they were thinking was that it was not now and not near and not present had nothing to do with sin at all. The word repent there had nothing to do with sin at all, which is why he didn't say repent of your sins for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He didn't say that. He said change your mind. Change your mind about what? About what he just said after that. After that was the kingdom of heaven is within reach because they were thinking the kingdom of heaven is not within reach. It's not here. It will be here one day. We've heard it said it's going to come. The prophets have said it's coming. Maybe some think it's going to come after they die. You see? So what he's saying, in effect, is this. Change the way you're thinking. Change how you're thinking. Because the realm of heaven is now here within reach. You can reach it. You can touch it. You can can receive. Heaven itself is coming. He prayed, Lord, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. The prophets foresaw foresaw the destruction of of, uh, the wicked and sin and judgment coming just prior to the establishment of the kingdom on earth. And they preached that and they proclaimed that. And John the Baptist saw it that way too. That he comes with fire to cleanse the earth, to establish his kingdom. What they didn't see was the hidden way in which God would do this. What they didn't understand was this secret that was hidden. It was a riddle. It was a riddle. We're going to talk a little bit, if we have time, about Samson's riddle. Just a little bit about the riddle. It is a riddle, saints. It is a secret. It is something you have to change the way you're thinking to get it. You have to change the how you're thinking to see it. Jesus was bringing another world to earth. It would not come like men thought with judgment um, and fire on the people and then the establishment of God's kingdom, but it would come through judgment falling on him instead of us. There would be a cleansing of the earth. Behold, the day when I remove the iniquity of Israel, and one day, God said, I'll remove all iniquity in Israel, and one day, and search will will be made for iniquity in Israel, and none shall be found. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, because a new world was coming. 
And that new world was given by the Spirit, through the Spirit. Through the Spirit, we have access into this other world. Jesus said you cannot see this other world. You cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. You cannot see it. You cannot see this other world unless you're born of the Spirit. If you're born of the Spirit, you can see it. It's it's an unfolding revelation within us that we begin to see, oh my gosh, I'm no longer of this world. I am from above. That's why they call the apostles those who have turned the world upside down have come here. What does that mean? It means all that we have known before about this world doesn't matter anymore. I mean, it's like it's a whole different game. It's a whole different world. Grace has come. And grace changes everything. He who has received this abundant grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in his life on this earth. It's a whole different world. That's why Paul would write in his letters and he said, why do you you, uh, submit yourself to decrees like I'm not going to touch this, I'm not going to taste this, as if you're still living in this world. He was bringing a whole new world. Change your mind. Change the way you're thinking. Change the way you think. Change how you think because a new world is coming is what he was saying. And remember this. This was a glad news kind of thing. This was the glad tidings of the kingdom of heaven. This is like incredible gladness. This was joy. This was not, it wasn't focused on sin and obedience to be righteous and working, working for God so God will be pleased with you. And it wasn't any of that. That's what they had before. That was the old world. This world was coming and it was, it was all a gift. It was all a gift. Change how you're thinking. Change the way you're thinking for the kingdom of heaven is here. And those who believe enter in. And they live the rest of their lives on earth in another world. In the world, in this old world, we shall have trouble. We shall have tribulation. We shall have the enemies. We have the flesh that wars against who we really are on the inside. We have the, the world. We have the devil himself. But we can be of good cheer, Jesus said, because he has overcome that world, this world. He has literally translated us. I love that, that they said that. They actually said, Paul actually said that he has translated us, not when we die, but now we have been translated from the kingdom of this darkness, of this world, into the kingdom of the beloved son. I tell you, the Easter message, if you want to say the Easter message, the Easter message is so awesome. He came to bring us to his world. And now we, because of his death, there is no condemnation. Sin is not remembered, nor is it counted. But God's righteousness is remembered and counted. And through his resurrection, I love this. Think about it this way. When that tomb opened, when he was raised from the dead and that tomb rolled away, and that stone rolled away from that tomb... We, the scripture says, Paul says, this great mystery of Christ, this great work of Christ has brought us into another place. Paul says, oh, I pray that God would open the eyes of your heart to see what the hope of this calling is, the exceeding riches of this inheritance is that you have inside of you, that 
exceeding power that is in you according to the power that God exercised when he raised him from the dead. When you and I walked through him, through that tomb, from that tomb, we walked, the stone was rolled away. We walked into another world in him. We were crucified with him, Paul says. We were buried with him. We were raised in him. Saints, this is true Christianity. Religion can't touch this. It is what the Spirit wants us to grow in inside of us to where it becomes so real. Like the song says, the things, begin to, things of earth begin to fade so that we live every day in this relationship with God knowing that he no, he no longer counts my sin against me. I can go boldly to a throne of grace. He counts his righteousness for me. He has given me his own joy. Even though the world is full of mess, I give you my joy. Not as the world gives, he says. The, the joy and the happiness the world has is tied to circumstances. No, my joy is apart from this world. I give you my peace. Not as the world gives. Peace when things are not, you know, no trouble. That's not real peace. No, I'll give you peace in the midst of trouble. I'll give you my peace, which is apart from this world. Because I leave these with you because I'm going to be joined to you. This is awesome. This is what I want to grow in so mightily by the Spirit so that everybody we come in touch, in contact with, we can say, you know, such as I have, I give to you. Such as I have in here, I give to you. You see? So that you, you can have what I have because I have it as a gift from him. I don't, I'm really not from here anymore. I'm a witness of another world. I witness to another world. I am his witness of another world. And the good news of this kingdom shall be preached in all the world as a witness. And then shall the end come. This is the message that will take us to the end of the age. And the good news of this kingdom, this realm, this new world in him because of him, shall be preached in all the world as a witness that they too might believe and come out of that world and be translated. I send you forth, Paul, to open the eyes of the blind that you might turn them from the authority of Satan unto God, releasing them from condemnation because he condemns. The accuser condemns, release them, releasing them as they see the work of my son from the authority of Satan for sin shall not have dominion over them and there shall be no condemnation in my kingdom, releasing them from the dominion of darkness into the dominion of God into their inheritance that is given to all those who are made holy by simple faith in me. And that's what we do. That's what we do. We live. And what it, re- what it requires is that when we stumble and fall, because we all stumble in many ways. <clears throat> the scripture says we all stumble in many ways. We have this treasure, this awesome treasure of Christ in us in weak earthen vessels. And it's, it's done that way on purpose so that the excellency of the power is clearly seen to be of God and not of ourselves. 
For when we come to the end of our strength, that's when his strength begins. It's his way. When we, uh, like one, one brother said, when we sit down, he stands up inside of us. But as long as we're standing up trying to do it, he's waiting to, for us to be still and see the salvation of God. We were watching Ten Commandments last night with Jake and Colby and Cindy and I were watching the Ten Commandments on TV. I love that movie, you know. And um, I love that scene where Ewell Brenner, Pharaoh, Ramses II says, their God is a poor general who leaves them no retreat. You know, and he's like, they're up against the Red Sea and here comes Pharaoh's chariots coming down and, and, uh, and that, that, that little Dathan that you want to just... Dathan is saying, you know, He's let us. He's a false prophet. And Moses said, we'll go forward. And he says something like, you know, where? Into the sea? He goes, no, into the hands of God. And he turns the, I love that. He takes that shepherd's staff. They have no strength. They have no power. Into the hands of God. Behold his mighty hand. I love it. I used to play that when I was in, in law school. I used to have that scene taped. And before I went to class, I'd play it. I'd play the part in the Red Sea. <laughs> I would. I'd be like, just before I went up to class. Not every day, but lots. It was like, just to give me encouragement. God is with me, you know. Behold his mighty hand. Awesome. But that's, that's how he is. He, he has, we have, we had this sense of weakness. We had this sense of dependency. We had this sense of need. And that's exactly the way it's supposed to be. He chooses the weak to confound the strong. He chooses the foolish to confound the wise. He wants Christ himself to be our wisdom. And so in our sense of need and our sense of dependency on him, we are exactly where we're supposed to be. And that's how he manifests his life through us. And it's tricky at first because you feel like, well, wait a minute, this world, this old world teaches I got to be a self-made man. I got to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I got to do it myself. I got to do it. I don't need any help. Bum, 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 bum. But the Spirit of God says, no, that's not the way it works. In my world, even the Son said, I can do nothing of myself. Only the Father in me can do the works and speak the words. I live by my Father every day. So shall you live by me. So in this new world, it's a world of complete dependency. And, you know, I keep coming back to that parable. Not uh, not parable, but I keep coming back to that scene where Jesus multiplied the bread and the loaves. That has been feeding me for weeks about how they went. They didn't just, Jesus didn't, you know, take these 12 baskets and, and went zap and they filled them up and they took the baskets out there. He didn't do that. The scripture says that he, there were no baskets at all at first. There were just loaves and fishes, just a few pieces. The scripture says the 12 apostles kept going to him. He would break it and bless it and hand it to them. And then as they came back, they would, he would break and bless and hand it to them. And they would come back and get more. The scripture says they kept going back and forth to him, the source. They, could only, they only had enough to carry for, that, for a few people, they had to go back to him for the rest. And they never ran out. I love that. They kept, there were 12, 12 men going back and forth like this in the crowd. Jesus had them sit down in groups of 50. 
5,000 people. And you saw these apostles going back and forth to the center, the center, Christ, Christ, breaking, 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 blessing, breaking, blessing, breaking. And they, and they, they were like amazed, like, there's still more. There's still more. There's still more. And it's in their mind, I'm sure they're thinking, we're going to run out. And they never ran out. In fact, there was so, everybody was so filled and there was so much left over. Then he said, now take baskets and gather all that is left over. And he did it so that he did it just enough. God did the miracle just enough so there'd be a basket for each apostle that they would remember that he, is, he doesn't just barely give you enough. He lavishes his grace on us. He's not the God of just enough. And he's not the God of the second chance. I hate that. I absolutely hate that. I hate that phrase. The God of the second chance. Give me a break. I I blew my second chance in the fourth grade. He's not the God of the second chance. 70 times 7, and that's in just the first hour. Listen, he lavishes his grace upon us. He gives us abundant grace, abundant grace. He who has received this abundant grace and the gift of God's righteousness. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift, Paul says. Can you imagine what that means? I mean, you have God's righteousness. That's What we have in his world every day, every single second, in a world where there is no time, there's no seconds, it just is continually in union with him. It's it's mind-boggling, and it's the secret to reproducing his life in us, the fruit of the Spirit will flow and flourish when we are at rest in his world. Abide in me and I in you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, what he means is that all this revelation, the words, all this teaching, all this revelation, if if, if it abides in you, you don't forget these things. But you believe and grow in these things. You simply abide. You shall bear much fruit effortlessly. The farmer goes out and puts seed in the ground and he rises day and night and it comes forth and grows and he knows not how it grows, Jesus said. For the earth brings forth fruit of herself. Such is the mystery of the kingdom of heaven. Such is one of the mysteries of this other realm that no flesh can glory in his presence. To rest. Paul, who proclaimed this awesome grace, said, I labored more than them all, all the apostles, yet not I, but the grace of God in me. This rest doesn't make you you and I into couch potatoes. It so energizes the inside of us. The love of God compels us. We do things we never would have done before. We have courage that we didn't have before. We have Ideas we didn't have before. We have motivation we didn't have before for it is God who is at work in me both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. It's awesome. 
You know, this, this word repent has just been so really hijacked by the religious system. If you put, and we're going to wrap it up here, if you put a definition of what you think repentance means in, on a list, put like on a list and describe it, some people will say, you know, turn from your sin, um, commit yourself to live a life without sin or um, turn from evil or uh, maybe cry a lot, um, whatever. Put, those def- put that definition on the, on the scripture that says God repented. There's a couple in the scripture where it says God repented. God repented. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. God, oh, wait, God decided to turn from sin. God decided to cry, cry over his, his, his wickedness. God decided to, to turn a new leaf, change his life, change the direction of his life. No. God repented, and the scripture simply means God changed his mind. God repented and did, did not destroy Nineveh. He simply changed his mind. Change your mind. Change the way you're thinking. Change how you're thinking for the, another world has come. Isn't that awesome? I encourage us all to start using that word more frequently in day-to-day conversation. And just get, get a conversation going. And you'll actually, you'll at the very least, perk people's ears up. I was going to, you know, go to McDonald's, but I repented and decided to go to uh, Ruth Chris Steakhouse. And that's a good repentance there. That's a repentance of the heart. That's sincere repentance. No, no it's just good. But um, I just want to share those thoughts with you. I pray that we, on this Easter Sunday, that we never lose sight that he brought another world. He brought his world. He brought his Father's world. And that we are, you know, as Jesus said, fear not, fear not, little flock. Fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you his kingdom. Don't be afraid. Don't feel like he's doing it grudgingly. Don't feel like it's uh, something that uh, he had to have his arm twisted to do. No, it's Father's good pleasure to give you this realm because of his son. And that's why it's called the kingdom of the beloved son. I love that phrase, the kingdom of the beloved son, the realm of the beloved son, because that belovedness spills out on all of us. He calls us beloved. He calls us beloved. He says, I am well pleased because you have believed on my son. I am well pleased because you have believed, simply believed. Did I not say, Jesus said, that if you would only believe... You would see the glory of God. Heaven has come. He foretold it. Jacob saw Jacob's ladder and saw the gate of heaven. This is no more than the, this is, this is the gate of heaven. This is the house of God. This is Jacob. Heaven had come. And Jesus said, I am Jacob's ladder. You shall see angels ascending and descending on the son of man. I have brought heaven for those who believe within within it does not come like men think it shall be within you and lo I am with you always even until the end of this world you are safe you are safe you rest in me
seated with me. You are where I am. And I am where you are. Union. The Father in me and I in the Father and I in you and you in me. Eyes to be opened more and more to his world now that we might enjoy him and be a witness to others. Lord, thank you. Help us to to enjoy your world. A whole new world has come. It came 2,000 years ago and people have been entering into this other dimension, this other realm, this other reality every generation. Clouds of witnesses. Thank you, Lord. What an awesome gospel. What an awesome reality. He has made the wisdom of this world vanity, void, useless, because another world has come. Another world has come. Help us, Lord, open our eyes all the more that we might see. Thank you, Father. Help us encourage each other in this truth that we might be built up. Thank you, Lord. So awesome. Kingdom, world without end. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.